0: This is a podcast from SPH Radio.
1: Imagine playing with animals all day. Cute puppies, taking dogs for walks, playing with kittens, throwing a ball of string at them. Yeah, many of the misconceptions people have about animal rescue and animal advocacy, and it's the same at Causes for Animals. Causes for Animals was started to make sure that every single dog cat at every shelter in Singapore, large or small, registered a privately owned, would not have to worry about going hungry, so they kind of take care of other shelters so that shelter founders wouldn't have to worry about paying rent, raising funds, and looking for other resources. It started in 2013 by five friends, and in today's episode of this podcast has fur and other coverings. Speaking to one of them, Kuip Guanling. Thanks for joining us today, Guanling.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So we hear that you've been rescuing animals or working for animal welfare for quite a number of years, and I reckon you're not too old. So you must have started pretty young. Tell us how it all started.
0: Uh, it actually all started when I was like 25, 26. So it was just a random day where I was like browsing the net and I wanted to like finally like do more for the animals. So I actually saw this um, Black Singapore special that was up for sponsorship. So um, it was an appeal to actually upkeep his um, daily expenses in the kennel.
1: Oh, so it's a dog, a black Singapore special. It's yeah, a dog. Correct. Okay. Yes,
0: correct. I actually started off with a dog. So um, his name was Twister. So he was a very skittish dog. So he was being caged all his life. So what happened was, I was like, oh, okay, um, yeah, maybe I should start sponsoring this guy. And then I started going down and visit him. Yeah. So basically, he he opened me to the world of like rescue and rehoming. So he couldn't walk on leash. He was skittish and all that. So. It actually made me realise that, you know, what I see in Hollywood is not like completely true. you know, when the dogs run up to you, they work great on leashes, you can recall them anytime. didn't work out that way, but um, we actually spent a lot of time together, and then he got lucky as well. He found a home after three years of waiting, so I actually started off with another shelter before we moved on to Cosmos for Animals.
1: Prior to that, did you have pets before? Were you experienced?
0: I never had a dog nor a cat prior to that, so um, my parents were the kind that, you know, they were the traditional um, parents who goes like, okay, you can't even feed yourself, so you're not going to keep...
1: Yeah, I <laughs> but, remember that, but I didn't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so however, my mum tends to pick up like baby birds on the street. Oh. Yeah, so um, I actually spent my younger years like nursing a lot, of them back to health and stuff before we actually released them.
1: That's unusual. How then do you learn about what to do with, say, a baby bird that's fallen out of a nest, I assume?
0: Yeah, we, there was actually a lot of um, trial and error as well. Uh, mm. Back then, there wasn't a lot of like... There was a lot of lack of it, so we picked out a lot of skills from, like, you know, I, ironically, the uncles who actually hang the birds up, you know, for bird singing and stuff, they do know quite a bit of things, <laughs> and, like from some of the bats as well. If we do visit them, of course, over the years, I think, like, especially the last decade, I think animal welfare has improved a lot. So that was like the old school days, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so I actually grew up with a lot of um, birds, not so much of cats and dogs. I mean, like, I, I, I do like play with the community cats downstairs and stuff, but I I don't really know much about it. Then I had a hamster. I adopted it for SPCA, so that was my first adopted animal. That was when I was like in uni. I was like 21 or something.
1: What was the impetus, or did you always know that you loved animals, you wanted to rescue them to some degree, or adopt? Because, yeah, I hate to admit it, when I was 10, I bought my first bunny. I didn't know anything. There was yeah. literally no internet at that time. I don't even think we had a computer in the house, let alone Google, like you say. So yeah. I bought my first pet.
0: I guess everyone is guilty of it to some extent, I-, I would say. I mean, after all, like, um.
1: But did you always know as a kid that you loved animals and this was what you were going to do and wanted to do at some point when you could?
0: I, I actually always loved animals but back then like um, as a student because I live in the west, so a lot of shelters were actually housed in the east. So obviously like, you know, back back then I, I had no idea how to get there as well. But but I was really interested in volunteering. So I actually started off volunteering for uh, welfare organization groups that are more human related I would say, with mentally disabled as well as like the Red Cross Home and all that. I actually started off with that. Yeah but subsequently I realized that I, I still want to do a bit more for the animals. So when I was a bit more independent I started to like explore this option as well.
1: Mm. So how do you manage your time? Because a lot of the times I think people have that intention. I want to help animals but kind of life gets in the way so to speak. <laughs> I have to feed myself, I have to get a job, I'm so tired. That is the standard excuse, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I, I get tired as well. So, But I guess something's got a gift, so you probably won't find me at a party after 11pm. <laughs> yeah. I, I do less of the you know, socializing. Uh, Not like I, I completely don't, but there's a lot of self-discipline that goes into it. Yeah, Because on, on top of rescue work, a lot of people think that we do rescue work for full-time means we are paid to do this mm. so people do get angry when like you know we can't make it at a certain hour or certain day but the fact is that i, I probably saw your email where i'm sitting at the desk in the office mm. so i i can't like just you know just pack my bags and go so um, a lot of people don't realize that we don't do this full-time we we do it out of you know we need to take care of ourselves before we can like take care of other animals so you know bread and butter issues is still quite important mm. so um i guess a lot of things it has to do with the discipline as well as the passion. Whether you really want to do this, you just get got to start the first step, I guess.
1: Which would be what though?
0: Uh, it it could be as simple as in my case, I started off by just visiting a shelter because I was just curious about the dog that I sponsored. So, uh, at that point, I I actually didn't do much apart from that, maybe washing kennels and trying to get get him to walk on leash and all that. Uh. I, I didn't start off with like immediately going to the streets and start to rescue and all that. In fact, I only started doing that like in the past four years, I would say.
1: To found, though, a charity, so Causes for Animals is a charitable organisation. To found something like that takes a tremendous amount of planning and commitment, I imagine. When did that come about?
0: Uh, That was back in 2012-2013, so I actually met the rest of the team at another shelter that we all volunteered at. So there was this um, thought about doing a bit more for the animal welfare scene. Because everyone was a bit more fragmented, like I do my things and you do your stuff, we don't get involved with each other, Christine and the rest had this idea like, you know, we should do a bit more, we should have like combined food drives, we should have combined vaccination drives, so that was how we actually started.
1: What sort of planning had to go into it before you you know, kicked everything off?
0: The first thing, uh, the first most important thing would be the, um, of course the location as well as the financial aspect of it because like running a shelter is not, it's not a small sum but um, over the years I, I think um, they have built a lot of welfare and a lot of goodwill out of a lot of people so people were very generous in supporting this cause. Yeah, so, so we did get a lot of help at the start as well. Even up to now, like we, we do have a very good group of donors who actually support what we do. So I think that, that actually helps us in keeping things going as well.
1: Is the ultimate goal to do this full-time?
0: Um, I would say not really.
1: <laughs> oh, so uh, yeah, <laughs> still going to survive on the lack of sleep and having a full-time job, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, because um at the end of the day, I guess uh, if you do this full-time, we, we don't want to get consumed by it as well, we have seen a lot of people who get so involved in this and they literally spend all their time savings and their entire life on it. Yeah, much to the displeasure of maybe their families and
1: all mm, that. Yes, Yeah. that,
0: so we, we do want to still strike a balance with that, I mean we, we try to save as many animals as we can but we, we can't save everybody at the same time. And yeah, I, I, we don't want to end up like you know we, we don't take care of ourselves and then we try to take care of other animals. It, it doesn't work out that way. At least for us, I think.
1: So kind of burnout.
0: Yes, um, mm. we don't want to hit that. I mean ideally I, I would love to like just do this full time but practically speaking I, I don't think that is actually viable in the long run.
1: But possible yeah. if you hit the lottery or something.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which has not happened so far, <laughs> so, so we, we just got to dream about it, yeah we tend to say that as well. Yeah.
1: So there is that fear because say for example as a radio presenter, at the end of the day, I get home, I just want to keep quiet, I don't want to speak anymore, so there is that fear as well, that if you say did this full time, that you might get tired.
0: Yeah you, you get burnt out and then maybe you, you don't really want to do this anymore, and that's something that we, we don't want it to happen as well, but I would say, of course, like we have seen a lot of people doing this full-time and they seem to be doing well. So I guess to each of its own. I guess because with that limited amount of time, we try to do as much as possible as well. I suppose if I do this full-time, I might not be that productive. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'll be like, oh, I have the whole day ahead to do all this. So, yeah, I guess it helps. It drives us to do things a bit more efficiently as well.
1: So here's the controversial question, Guan Ling. Are you a cat person or a dog person?
0: Whoa, this is tricky. Uh, (laughs) Don't want to offend anybody. Uh, I would say as a person. (laughs) I'm more of a cat person, I I would say.
1: Jing, jing, jing.
0: Yes, but it doesn't mean I hate dogs, you know. I mean, after all, I started off with dogs, I still love dogs. But in terms of like my lifestyle, I think a cat suits me better. Mm. Mm, correct. I mean like, um, we spend so much time rehoming and rescuing a lot of animals that it wouldn't be fair if I had my own dog to be honest. The dog will probably see me less compared to like you know, at least cats they don't care. So <laughs> at least they don't mind as long as their footballs are filled. <laughs> so uh I would say yeah, but I'm more inclined as a as a cat person. But of course causes for animals. We started off with dogs. So up to this day still predominantly dogs. Uh we only started to do a bit of cats because I started rescuing like cats. When I started rescuing cats I knew nothing about them. I don't know I don't even know about a, a litter box and all that, it's just that I, I looked at the cat, the cat really needed help. So I, I would say like um, the first cat's appearance actually opened up the possibilities of us doing rescuing and re for cats as well, which we are slightly more active in the last two years, I would say.
1: I understand yeah. completely, I am a cat person, I will not be afraid to admit it. But <laughs> here's the thing, I'm allergic to cats.
0: Same. (laughs) I have this problem as well.
1: But I love them and I don't hate dogs. They're cute and everything, but they love me. So it's really bizarre. For example, if I take my cat to the vet, I'll be sitting there and the dogs will come to me. I'm like, oh, you're so cute and everything, but I don't know what to do with you except pet your head and say hello. It's a really bizarre thing, but I am a cat person too.
0: So um, three of my cats are actually cats that I put up for rehoming but uh, they didn't find homes for whatsoever reasons so I took them home.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really nice.
0: So they usually come with a bit of quirkiness and stuff. I <laughs> so once I, I can actually get homes for them. I, I'm not saying they're not nice but it's just that it comes in a bit of like,
1: you know. <laughs> I think that's true of all humans too everyone's different so every cat is different
0: i'll never have the great like the the perfect ones you know those would like go to somebody else
1: (laughs) oh no i feel the same way i'll have all this envy when i look at videos and stuff how come this cat is so affectionate how come this cat does that my cat does nothing but yell at me all day cat envy. Yeah.
0: I know right. Can relate to that.
1: So have to learn their sort of gestures instead of trying to impose what you think love should look like.
0: Yeah, we we work with a lot of dogs, um, predominantly dogs as well, but precisely because I work with them, I understand that my lifestyle wouldn't be able to accommodate to them. It wouldn't be very fair to them as well. Mm. I would say, I think it makes me happier when I put them in the good homes.
1: For people who want to volunteer more, we talked a little bit about it earlier and you said disciplines are a really important thing. What other kinds of advice do you have for people?
0: Um, I would say give yourself a chance and sign up. I, I guess a lot of people, they browse the web, they see a lot of animal welfare groups and then they they, they want to come in to, to like come and volunteer. Um, but a lot of them just stop at that. Like They want to do it but... Various reasons of them, they, they, they want to go shopping on the weekend, they want to do other stuff or probably the, the expectation and the reality is a bit different, a lot of people have this idea that, oh I'm coming to the dog shelter to play with dogs. <laughs> the, the fact is that it's very physically demanding because the, the first and the most important thing that we do in the shelter is to clean up the place. Mm. So when a lot of them come in they had a shock, they're like, oh okay I don't even do housework at home so what do I do with this? So. I would say give yourself a chance and sign up and see how it goes. I I mean, I I didn't start off being really professional at washing candles and all that as well. It takes time, so I would say like give yourself an opportunity be more open-minded about it.
1: Some people might be put off with the need for long-term commitment.
0: We actually run an orientation prior to, um, uh, of course that was like pre-circuit breaker, Uh, we do run an orientation for all the volunteers to show them around and tell them about what we are doing over here so if they think that okay um after this whole orientation there's something that they still like and they think it's something for them they can actually sign up for like two sessions to see if this is really something that they like to do in the long run before they commit in the longer run at the end of the day um everyone is a volunteer so there's no like obligation that you you must like commit for for a good six months and ideally if if you really love what you're doing, we, we do love having all these volunteers coming back, Yeah, but it's, it's more giving themselves a chance to try out as well as giving us an opportunity to see if, if that's something that's suitable for them as well.
1: What other kinds of misconceptions do people have about you guys as uh, animal welfare groups, as animal rescuers? Because you're slight, aren't you? And it's quite <laughs> physical, you were saying, the work that you do.
0: Uh, yes, I, I do get some kind of funny looks sometimes, you know, when, when I, I, I pass them a dog and say, okay, this dog is rather strong, so you know, you gotta hold on tight and all that stuff. And they look at me like,
1: how have you not flown away?
0: <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, it can't be that strong if you, are yeah, fine, you're still here. <laughs> yeah. That's something that we, we train over time. <laughs> I, I didn't start off like being able to like, carry dogs that are huge. Yeah, but it, it gets better over time, I would say. Just like a lot of things in life, you, you just get better as you keep doing it. A lot of people think that we are human haters. <laughs> like, like we, we work with animals because we don't like people. There's some truth to it, I guess, but um, it's not completely true as well. At the end of the day, we can't avoid working with people because at the end of the day, we, we do want people to adopt our animals. A lot of people think that we want to work with animals or some people want to work with animals um, because they don't want to deal with people. We do deal with a lot of people and the kind of people that we deal with can be on both extreme ends. We see the best of people but we see the worst inside of them
1: as well. Do you think that's the worst part of the job? When you deal with difficult people?
0: Yes, when we deal with irresponsible people, it can be quite tough. People who return us the pets. It after a couple of years because they are moving away or they just got tired of it or something new comes into their life and, and the dog or the cat doesn't fit in anymore. So that's the worst part. I mean on top of the fact that sometimes we do watch some animals they sleep away from illness or abuse but we are not able to do more for them. That can be quite frustrating as well. We, we deal with like um, a lot of people be it adopters, be it people that we meet in adoption events, because people still have a lot of misconception about Singapore specials. They still have a lot of misconception about adoption. They think that only bad animals get put up for adoption. That's why people do not want them. Yeah, or like street animals are, are feral and fierce and dirty and and they bite. Yeah, that's that's one of the most common thing. Whether we like people or not, we, we still have to deal with them.
1: <laughs> That pretty much answers the question, Guan Ling. What's the best part though?
0: Oh, that, that will definitely be when our animals go to good homes. I guess that makes everything worthwhile and that's the reason why we keep going. Yeah, despite some setbacks, time to time. I, I guess that's that's the end result that we always want to see.
1: All this time, coming close to I'd say almost 10 years' causes for animals, what case has stood out to you the most? Why do you remember it?
0: Wow, well, that's a lot though. <laughs> I would say cases like cases like Along, who was being hit by a vehicle. In fact, some dogs that they are hit by a vehicle, they might have lose a leg, they might have loose some body parts and stuff. They don't look very perfect in their ways. But we are surprised the amount of people who actually come out and actually tell us that hey, we want to adopt them, you know, despite their imperfections.
1: What do you think worked for Along's case then?
0: Um, yeah. I guess good. Um. Well taken photos help. We we do have a a volunteer photographer Glenn, who helps us with a lot of photos. So we realize, um, just like you know, people on magazines, it's important to take, um, it's important to take good photos. You know, to put them in a good light, to see them in certain angles that people may not have thought about prior to that. Our idea is to make them look more rehomeable, adoptable. So it's a bit of marketing involved as well. <laughs>
1: Do the hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite important, we realise. So, yeah, corporate skills does come into it. So, yeah, it's important to continue working. <laughs> so, we, we do find like good pictures really make a lot of difference. Of course, social media engagement plays a very big part as well. It, it always surprises us when when people come out and say, oh, we like that senior dog. We, we would like to take her home. Um, or, or dogs like, it lost a leg, you know, and then they are like, oh, it's OK. He looks great. We would love him, you know, love to take him home as their pet dog. And a lot of them lead really good lives.
1: I wish we heard more stories like that, Guan Ling. Uh,
0: we, we make it a point to share some of these like, happy tales uh, on our Facebook page as well, so that people are aware that, you know, this these animals actually deserve a home. They, they can find good homes if you give them a chance as well. I, I think some of them lead better lives than much much than envy.
1: <laughs> That's what my mom's always saying to my cat. Your life is so much better than mine.
0: <laughs> yeah, where, wherever I get like updates for adopters, I'll be like, Wow, well, I want to be adopted as well.
1: one <laughs> well, Ling, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Best of luck with everything at Causes for Animals.
0: Thanks for having us today and sharing the things that matters to us. <laughs> this podcast has fur and other coverings. Is a production of SBH radio. It's hosted and produced by Howie Lim from Money FM
1: 89.3. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcast, and streaming on Google Home.